0: Alexandra Perry, and you're listening to Wealth Daily's podcast, Investing After Hours. Joining me today is Chris Klein, the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Bitcoin IRA. Chris, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Alexandra. It's a pleasure.
0: So there are so many things I want to cover in this podcast. Um, to our Wealth Daily readers, we actually had an editorial piece go out last week where we talked about Bitcoin IRA. But we're going to expand on some of those points, and Chris is here to talk to us about his business. Um, I think maybe the best place to start, Chris, is you can tell us about yourself a little bit. So I know you have this strong history in business management, and I was wondering like, how that has led you to establish
1: this company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back, I'd have to say, to just, and I've said this before in interviews, is that I was born at the precipice between the analog and digital era. In 1985 which in my opinion was kind of a transitionary transitionary type in generation uh, we understood how things were done in the analog sense but we lived through the digital revolution uh we we knew what the street light was when we were kids that when that went on we had to get home for dinner uh, but then we were the first kids in kindergarten and first grade that had apple uh, mac computer sitting there and, and apple II sitting in in our pre-k classes so we've watched this whole revolution take place through our lifetime uh, from there, after that, those growing years, I graduated from the University of Colorado uh, with degrees in international business and leadership. But the year was 2007, which, uh, as anybody may recall, wasn't the best time to be job hunting. Uh, from there, I played around, did some political campaigns, some entrepreneurial ventures post-graduation, but nothing spoke to my soul. Uh, it just I was, I was still kind of this lost entrepreneur trying to find my calling, uh, I did go through a, a, a tragedy, I lost my mom and my really my business mentor uh, to cancer in 2010, and that's when I started looking for a new beginning. So I actually came out to California in December of 2011 with a one-way ticket and one suitcase and not one idea of what I was going to do next. Uh, serendipitously, I ran encountered to, uh, encountered and ran into some of my business partners now. And we started building our first businesses in the IRA space. We started looking at uh, the self-directed IRA space of what you could do outside of traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, and, and do- dove into real estate, LLCs, and precious metals. Uh, and that just further drove us into the cryptocurrency space.
0: You've obviously been in this space for a while. When did you recognize that Bitcoin, and, and dare I say, like lead this financial revolution?
1: I Dare you say, but it's definitely happening out there. Um, I wasn't 100% sold on Bitcoin at first. But I was 100% sold on the potential failure of our current monetary system. After studying it in college and watching what we have done since Bretton Woods, the Nixon shock, and what we've done to fiat money, not just here domestically, but internationally, um, it was obvious to me that there was going to be a revolution of some change. There, there had to have been. This can't last forever. Ask the Romans or ask anybody that came before that bastardized their monetary system. There is a day of reckoning and there's an end to printing uh, and abusing and diluting your currency to a point uh, just to try to extract more growth out of your GDP. Uh, the first time I really believed in it was when I used it for a series of business payments. So we have writers and marketers all around the world and country that we they will send us invoices. And once a month, I send out uh, payments. And we used to do it in U.S. dollar. But most of these guys like to get paid in Bitcoin. So I get on my wallet and I start sending out. I have my list of addresses. And instead of taking hours and hundreds of dollars of fees from a Western Union type place, in about six minutes' time, I was able to move out 20 payments and pay less than 60, $6.50 in fees. And that right there was my wake-up aha moment. Like, wow, if, if they can make that kind of, monet, that kind of uh, fiduciary exchange so much more seamless, why couldn't we do it with other spaces? And this is really saw where I saw the power of Bitcoin itself. And then I learned more from our clients. So um, my intuition was fortified when I talked to clients like our friend number 11 or Damon Smedley that's been interviewed by CNBC. Uh, People want the democratization of money. It's time to simplify our finances and uh, it's not time for us to continue to leave them at the mercy and manipulation of big banking cartels with no interest in the common man. Uh, the people I talk to, they're, they're, they're just they're regular Joes like me that are growing and they've got a couple, they, they may have 50 or 40,000 in their IRA, they may just be getting started, they may have built up a, quite a bit of wealth, but to them, with the, with, with the costs that are coming in their retirement, they just don't feel comfortable yet, and they needed to diversify themselves into something that could give them that democratization they're looking for.
0: So, say I was an investor, and maybe I was 40 years older than I am now, and I want to transition my current IRA account into an account with you guys. What exactly would that transition look like?
1: It's pretty seamless. Um, The first thing you would do is you would establish a self-directed IRA account that's like-kind to your existing account. So if you had a Roth, or a traditional, you would establish a similar account for tax settings. If you had a 401k that was in tax deferredment, then you would roll that over into a traditional IRA. Uh, From there, we would help you fund the account seamlessly. Now, that depends on where the funds are coming from. Some are very easy, uh, like a Fidelity 401k rollover. We do a joint call together with them, and the funds uh, arrive via FedEx and a check made out to the new institution within a few business days. Others, uh, you may have some annuities that you have to liquidate or stocks that have to sell off, so it can take a little bit more time, but once the funds arrive, uh, then you are at the self-directed nature of when you want to enter the market space, uh, you can we, we set you up with a uh, trading uh, line and one of our individuals to execute those trades on your behalf within the trade block system so that you can procure the Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Ripple or Litecoin that you're looking for. Uh, once you execute that trade, pricing and, and quantity is all fixed, so there's no movement. Administratively, we make sure that the funds move securely to, to purchase that cryptocurrency with ever, without ever going into a hot exchange environment and that the coin is moved directly into your cold storage multi-signature wallet. So it's a turnkey solution uh, that can take, on average, it takes about a week to two weeks, depending upon how quickly you get the paperwork back to us, and then also how quickly your um, releasing custodian releases those funds and, and sends over the, the funds transfer request.
0: Do you find that custodians are receptive to this kind of movement? I'm sure that like many large banks <laughs> are, are very perplexed when their investors come in and are like, I would like to take out my IRA and move it into Bitcoin. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, certainly uh, that's kind of one of our biggest um, obstacles we have to overcome with every account is that the job of any financial institution, and they, if they don't tell you this, then they're just lying to your face, is, is to retain money, retain accounts, and whenever there's a transfer out, they have certain me- protocols and methods in place that make it difficult. For example, some groups require that you have to give them an original wet signature with a signature guarantee and a medallion stamp with the with the custodial signature. That takes a lot of work, and the goal of it is to discourage somebody from making those movements. Some of the other groups like TSPs that are from the federal government for imp- uh, military and, and contract employees with the government, it's the, it's called a T-70 form, and it's almost 14 pages long. And it's not hard to fill out, but it's designed to discourage you from moving those funds out. Um, There are groups that are very receptive to it. I think Fidelity would probably be on the top of my list as far as um, ease of use of funds moving, as long as you're not in some particular asset that needs to be traded off. Uh, But in general, yes. there's, uh, And that that actually gets worse during times of crisis. Uh, We were moving funds – uh, I have people in my IRA team that were moving funds and during the time of 07, 08, 09, when we were having a cataclysmous crash in the stock market. Well, they get a, legally about 20 to 30 business days to actually complete a request for a transfer. So you could imagine that when they have this bleed out and this run from the banks that was taking place, the transfers were taking all that time just to try to hedge some of the losses that were taking place.
0: So they try to protect their existing accounts. It doesn't surprise yep. me. I imagine that banks view this, we're still at a stage right now where banks seem to view digital currency as, like blockchain, blockchain is acceptable, and the fact that blockchain can be used to expedite processes within a bank, um, it, that's acceptable. But. I'm still, especially with recent comments made by J.P. Morgan's um, leadership, you know, that you're seeing a digital currency might not necessarily be something they're pleased to see investors interacting with.
1: Well, hey, let's be honest with ourselves. Horses were afraid of the Model T at one point in time, too. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one to click. No, but that's the truth of the matter. Any, ad, 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 any advent of technology is always going to have winners and losers. In this particular instance, for once, there's a true rival to the banking cartels that have been taking place—they um, were—they were too big to fail in 08, So we consolidated them, injected a bunch of capital in them, and they—they they gave it to each other and themselves, and really didn't pass it down to the regular Joe that needs it. Par- Lending got more expensive. No, we didn't get any additional interest for our deposits, and it was—it was a fixed game. At the end of the day, it didn't get didn't come down to the little guy. It stayed up top, uh, and it didn't trickle down.
0: So I think this is this kind of leads me actually into my next line of questioning, and it's something that I tend to work with a lot because we are pioneering a growing sector, and that means you have to tackle a lot of regulatory changes that accompany new technologies. I can only imagine the amount of regulatory changes that happen for people that are working with autonomous cars, because right now they're incorporating a new technology with an existing government structure and existing rules for the road. So you guys face major regulatory hurdles um, almost every day, or is it something that just kind of hits you guys occasionally and you have to deal with that and adjust your business model?
1: It, it it i mean in the development of the process and as we try to push further into more ad, advantage features for our clients absolutely we're always running into it um but now we're we're in a place where where we see the most headwinds from regu- from i guess regulatory bodies is when they encourage things like Jamie Dimon's statement that bitcoins a fraud and hedge funds jumping in that have big names behind them it's almost like the a buyer the american buyer can't differentiate between the two they think that the guy that runs JP Morgan Chase is also the guy that runs the SEC. And that might be true. We don't really know how much the cahoots there is in today's market space. Uh, and they do have backdoor meetings we aren't aware of. But uh, there is a separation between the two. There is regulation, and then there is opposition and, and competition. I would say that when two years ago, if I said the word Bitcoin to a group of bankers, it fell on deaf ears. Um, regulars basically have a basic MO for Bitcoin. It's for money launderers, criminals, terrorists, et cetera. So what we had to do to overcome that at hurdle was to focus on the process and protocols, not the product to get their attention. So when we could run parallels to our regulatory bodies for the approval of this to things like an asset investment into real estate or an asset investment into physical precious metals and show how much more transparent and secure the process was versus those. That's when they started to go, well, what are you doing? What are you doing this process with? And then I was able to say, it's with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now you've shifted the perspective. They're not going in thinking negatively. They're impressed by the process. And you can say, it's designed for this particular type of asset that's revolutionary and and, and new to the market space. Uh, um, We also kind of had to force the hand somewhat uh, because nobody's ever really – very susceptible to change especially in the regulatory space but with the good faith of five years of reputation and compliance experience with us uh, they were able to give us the the green light to give this a run and i think that uh, nobody in, among our uh, partners is regretting that to date
0: So I think this is a general question just for the entire digital currency sector is taxes, and especially when it comes to regulation. And right now we're really starting to see not just the United States governments, but governments all over the globe start to interact with tax law for digital currencies.
1: I'm not a tax advisor, so to speak, but I think that they hope that we take the above-board approach that if we make a gain on something or a loss on something, whether it's property, cryptocurrency, digital assets, gold and silver, whatever it may be in a a non-qualified cash sense, that we report that gain or loss. Now, the truth of the matter is that for every one person that's going to be above board and do it right, that you've got probably two or three more that's, that are getting into it for the other reason. And there is going to be significant shifts in tax law on cryptocurrency in the years ahead. Um, it's going to be a requirement for uh, issuing of 1099s from groups that are dealing with those uh, types of asset investments to allow for a more uh, streamlined path. Uh, I think that that's important, but what I love about our model is that we're in an IRA setting. So you actually don't have to worry about short-term or long-term capital gains implications. Uh, that's the beauty of why the IRS gives us a IRA setting where we can get tax deferment or tax-free growth uh, savings at an arm's-length distance from us, uh, where we can buy and sell regularly inside of these types of accounts we've created and not have any tax implications. In, in a traditional IRA sense, where the ta- the the funds are tax deferred. You'll have uh, distribution tax at the age you're eligible at fifty nine and a half. You're required at seventy and a half. In a Roth setting, as long as they stay inside of the account for five years and you reach that age of fifty nine and a half, you can take them out tax with all all growth and principal with tax free settings. Uh, so, the, using the tool for something that has such an upside potential is, I think, part of the what makes us uh, so. Um, our, our growth so exponential is that people say wow if Bitcoin going to continue to do what it's doing and I can get it in a tax-free or tax-deferred setting I'd prefer that than having an ante up to Uncle Sam every time I made a buy or sell because it's also a very volatile market where you may not want to be sitting and holding it for 20 years like real estate or three to five years like precious metals you may want to take some of the profits off the table and reincorporate them into Ethereum, Ripple, or Litecoin uh, and you won't have to worry about the tax implications now as a company we are rolling out uh, later this year and into 18. We're going to uh, take on the challenge of the cash-based business of this industry. We feel like there's a lot of uh, gaps inside of it. One of them is knowledge and education on tax settings of what do I do uh, to stay above board. Because the last thing you want is that you sell your Bitcoin for a great profit and you're thrilled about it, and then you get an audit on all of your financials, your S-corps, your personal, your marriage, all those moving things. Uh, You want to avoid those uh, pitfalls and minefields.
0: So do you think you're going to see more educational resources for investors?
1: Well, I hope that we can pioneer that because that's going to be our goal. I often get so many questions from people. Uh, about what what are my obligations and and, and we're going to stay on the on the forefront of that. Um, we're we're part of groups that and uh, that have digital asset consortiums, et etc., that are working in close in hand with it. Um, but it, it's all about transparency. It's all about having that sitting down and having that conversation so that um, there isn't unscrupulous activity taking place. Now, for every one of me that's out there that wants to make sure that Bitcoin gets mainstream adoption and it's seen as a viable asset for the common man, for for my grandfather, my daughter, myself included. Uh, there's going to be somebody on the other side of that token that's trying to do business in a shady way, and it just takes... Um, the more the, the group of us that are trying to do the right thing to be louder and uh, more susceptible to educating the public the best that we can. Uh, but it's it's still a wild west. There's still a lot of growth. I mean, we're in the early stages of what you would call the first tier of Internet inception in the early late na- 1990s. Uh, there was a lot of growth factors there. There was a lot of pump and dumps, winners, losers, um, uh, good things and bad things that came from it. But eventually we found where the value add was at, and I think that we'll find that same space in the digital currency space ahead
0: what is the most challenging obstacle you've encountered so far when it comes to communicating with investors about Bitcoin and Ethereum? And I think this question goes a little bit back to, you know, we're talking about introducing something that is a non-traditional investment to many investors that have been very traditional. I was wondering if there's like just educational hurdles that you guys have to kind of go over when introducing these accounts to people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's two of them, and they're kind of actually counterintuitive to each other, but it's security and transparency. So the security part is that... um, making people feel comfortable with the fact that what is this wallet and why is this wallet secure versus a bank account and how is this different than zeros and ones and how is this different from FDIC insurance? How is this different from putting a gold bar in my safe? Uh, And having to explain to them the security measures of how we've cocooned a multi-signature wallet that has multiple layers of administrative uh, processing to that we bring the analog back into the space where there's verification calls and IP uh, verification instruments in place so that whenever you want to buy or sell, there are several stages of of movements that take place for your protection. So explaining that to a consumer, you need to take your time. That's one challenge. Then there's the transparency part. This is the most transparent asset investment and financial services that I've seen today. Uh, You literally know exactly what you pay for fees to get into this game. Ask anybody about their stocks at at J.P. Morgan or at Fidelity or Edward Jones, and they'll have a rough idea of whatever the marketing pitch was. But uh, the government, actually the Congress, asked groups, like Fidelity and others to disclose what their fees on particular types of asset classes were a few years ago. And what they created was this complex BMI type chart. You know when you have to get your body mass index and you put one finger on the top and one on the x-axis and you have to bring them together to find exactly under that condition what you paid for? So they made it complicated. When somebody buys cryptocurrency from us, Uh, in particular, not some of the other exchanges out there, they see exactly how much they paid for fees and how much went directly towards the investment of the cryptocurrency. That's a game changer in financial services, in my opinion, because it's not very transparent from bonds to CDs, all the way to mutual funds. There's just a lot of... I wouldn't call it smoke and mirrors, but there's some confusion about what did I pay for fees and what were my gains. Because a lot of times people look back a a quarter or uh, six months later and they say, wow, I see the Dow Jones is at record highs and all the stocks are are, are just up there killing it, but I'm down 10%. How is that possible? Well, likely it's because of movements of money and fees that were associated off of taking from your principal that weren't as transparent. So two things is getting them comfortable with the transparency that takes place and then also getting them comfortable with the security measures we put in place.
0: So do you guys find that investors that come on, you know, is there a lot of hand-holding? Because I think if I was somebody that was, you know, buying digital currency for the first time, I don't know if many, many of your investors might have had, many of your investors might have had digital currency in other accounts before they decided to pursue a Bitcoin IRA, but I, I'm also sure that you guys interact with many people that are just buying digital currency for the first time. So how do you kind of walk them through that process so that they understand where the fees are coming from?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, first you just explain to them that this is a very, uh, this is very similar to their traditional IRA and stocks, bonds, annuities. The only difference is that it has an access to alternatives, so like real estate, precious metals, marketplace lending, and now cryptocurrency thanks to our innovations. All the same rules exist. So you still have tax-deferred growth, tax-free growth. All the account types from Roth, traditional, simple, SEP, and otherwise are available. And you have the same contribution and distribution rules. So once you can level the playing field there that they understand, okay, it's the same tool, I'm just buying a different asset class and they have more alternatives and more opportunity. Once you get through that, then it's explaining to them, we, we don't have the time to teach everybody about cryptocurrency, but we've got a great amount of information on our website and education materials to help them with that. Uh, what we do is we explain our process so that they can feel comfortable with the fact that their monies are never going to be in a risky situation, that they're, they're we're going to purchase the cryptocurrency through an OTC or off the exchange uh, process so that they're not somewhere where it used to be susceptible to hacks, and then explaining how the wallet is constructed for additional security measures for when they want to extract it. One of the biggest things to explain to them is that this isn't about speed, it's about security. And when you have that conversation with any buyer, whether it's a novice or an expert, that makes them feel far more comfortable to the point where they just have that ease of use comfort level. Uh, They just know that these guys have taken every security measure to keep me protected, just like Fidelity would with my stocks. They're just, they are the experts in cryptocurrency and how to move it within retirement funds. Uh, you just have to move slow. We have a great group of Bitcoin IRA specialists that work with clients all day long. Uh, most of them are here on the weekends. They've been asking to work Sundays because we have such an influx of business. Um, and, and it's just, you know, take the time, acknowledge uh, and and be honest with uh, whatever details that you're looking for and have the right educational materials in place.
0: So, you mentioned an influx of business, and we actually talked about this on our first call when it was you, me, and one of my colleagues. And it, the cool thing is that even though, like, even as we're sitting here having this conversation, our financial landscape is changing, and Bitcoin. Mm-hmm is the first chance that investors have to participate in this movement. So you guys have seen a huge surge of demand recently, and I was kind of wondering if you could walk me through what demand has looked like just from the start of this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously at the beginning of the year, crypto was just starting to heat up towards the Christmas time period. It didn't take the holidays off. Uh, We were only maybe 50 to 100 clients deep. We had been doing it for six months, testing, configuring, uh, really not full tilt as a business. Uh, We're still kind of making sure we had the right landscape in play and our testing of our security and transparency. Now, since then, across the last, uh, I guess we're in the ninth month of this year, that, that client base has expanded to well over uh, just over 2,000 with another 500 accounts that are pending currently. Um, and we're adding, at this rate, we're adding hundreds a week, uh, week by week by week, and if there's definitely exponential growth. Um, the how we're handling it is technology. Um, So obviously when we were only doing a couple a week and and we have all these partners in the exchange world, the the wallet world, and in the custodial world, is we had to bring technology to play in a platform sense where a client can easily go online, uh, pre-register to make sure that they qualify with their account types. And then uh, the next stage that's coming out uh, at the end of this month is the onboarding stage where they can establish their account and fund it in the most seamless way possible. So we took all of our experience from the analog space kind of brings us back to that precipice of analog digital, took all that manual experience and, and placed it into an automation tool that, uh, will allow them to get their accounts opened and funded faster and then has an investment tool where they can have the access to 24, seven, to make changes to their allocation. So if it's a, a Sunday and Bitcoin's taking off and they want to sell off a portion of it and take those profits, they don't have to wait till Monday when the market may have cooled off by then. Uh, and, and we're just continually to push that envelope of technology, uh, to be able to, to 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 really, at the end of the day, to be able to handle, hopefully, even more exponential growth ahead.
0: How do you guys see your company growing over the next couple of years? Obviously, this is the first year, I think, well, it's not the first year. I think cryptocurrency has been a hot topic for a while, but it's the first year where we've had this massive uptick in media coverage. And yes. part of that might be Bitcoin and Ethereum as a unit now. We're looking at... You know, 800 currencies, many which are initial coin offerings, but still 800 currencies. And people are asking more questions about the market.
1: The, the naive entrepreneur inside of me says that we're going to grow exponentially forever. But the wise businessman inside of me understands the competition and saturation are coming. And we will need to continue to differentiate ourselves as not only the first Bitcoin IRA, but the best and most innovative. Uh, we want to position ourselves as leaders of the industry, not just offering the tokens and currencies themselves, but also implementing the technology to truly make us revolutionary. And what I mean by that, Alexandra, is things like putting in place Ethereum smart contracts for client onboarding, putting in place instant trades and swaps between cryptos. Right now you have to settle the US dollar wait for the settlement period and then go into another cryptocurrency. That can be rectified with a uh, with a efficient smart contract between the exchange and the custodian, which is currently under development here at Bitcoin IRA. Um further than that, What if people want to pay with Litecoin or Bitcoin to pay for their payments, uh, their their annual fees, etc.? And then also, really, at the end of the day, moving money as fast as humanly possible with the Ripple technology that's at play. Now, we can't ask Fidelity and Edward Jones to implement that to make transfers faster. But once the funds are within our system and our ecosystem, we can ensure that they're moving as swiftly as possible with the right technology. And we're going to couple all this together and take it into the non-qualified world. I think that there's plenty of cash sitting on the sidelines that wants to get into the cryptocurrency space, but doesn't seem like they have a turnkey solution to get it done. And we hope to be a pioneer for that ahead. So uh, it's just staying we've got a good runway, uh, but we've got to continue to grow and expand. Uh, you can't get complacent, especially in this industry.
0: So currently you offer, and you can correct me if I'm missing anyone, but Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin, Ripple, and Bitcoin Cash. Um, first off, I think it's really cool that you're using some of the technologies that these currencies operate on, but the um, I was wondering if you plan on incorporating any other altcoins um, into your digital currency portfolio offerings?
1: Yeah, uh, to, just to clarify, we do also have Ethereum Classic. Uh, okay. Don't forget about that guy. He's still out there and he still does have popular uh, popularity. Uh, so that's so we have six now, uh, six that are in the top ten of the market cap, and we intend on rounding that off before years in uh what we do we do our due diligence we're not just going to toss the newest ico into them into a uh, a retail ira space uh these they need to have a little bit more propensity to them for success we we vet the back end of them and their use and application but moving forward with that same caution we we will venture into the ico space inevitably but It'll be a platform for those seeking that opportunity in a limited fashion. It's all about care and caution here. Um, But, yes, absolutely, I don't think we'll get to the point where we're doing all 800. There are plenty of coins out there that I don't know why they're still on the list. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they've really just flatlined. I think Trump coins out there, and uh, I think there's Potcoin. coin. Uh, there clearly been some types of pump and dumps for this popularity of a of something that's not really related to financial services or an application from our monetary system. So we stick with the big ones, uh, but we do offer some access to the others uh, ahead. And we know that there there will be winners and losers, and we're we're going to make sure that we try to put the most amount of winners inside of the the product gauntlet for our clientele.
0: So if you don't mind me asking, how do you evaluate an an altcoin or even um, like when, when I look at digital currencies, I often have a startup mindset where I'm looking not at the currency, but the technology, I'm looking at the application, I'm looking at the real world value of this kind of technology that is being offered. So I was wondering if you guys kind of have key things that you look for when you're like, hey, that actually is going to be a good investment for our
1: investors. Exactly, and I think you you hit most of them on the head right there. Is that is there a true application for the technology? If you can't connect those dots to a real world application where it makes sense, then you know you're missing something right there. Right and first and foremost, it feels like why are we doing this? What's the point? What 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 is the buyer or the or our society going to gain out of the application of this token? And if you can't answer that question first and foremost, then you know you probably are not dealing with something that's got Uh, for uh, I think a a fortified front behind it. Like it's got some infrastructure. You also look at who's involved. Most of the time, these ICO groups have board of directors or uh, individuals that are behind in the, in the first stage or first round of this. There are names that have great reputations in this space and there's other ones that don't have any reputation. So uh, that doesn't mean to say that they have a bad reputation, but you have to have an eye for that. And then you look at where the endorsement's happening. You know, I think unicorn coin is coming out and Mark Cuban's behind that. Um, A lot of people would say, Oh, well, Mark Cuban's behind it, so would that mean that it's probably a great thing? Not always necessarily true. Mark Cuban's been a part of plenty of pump-and-dump IPOs out there. And a lot of the time, the real winners are the guys in ICOs that get the private placement early, and then when it opens or it becomes available, they're dumping them while the retail guy is buying. So oftentimes, being in the ICO on the first day of an ICO isn 't really great for the retail investor, especially if you have if you have money to, that you can't you can 't afford to lose but longer a few weeks, few months down the road where you start to see it level off and it starts to show actual uh, propensity for growth that may be a good point for interest uh, we didn 't we added Litecoin ripple and um, and a Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum Classic just last at the end of last month. Only after watching for for Bitcoin Cash in particular over 30 days of what it was actually doing, and we still, I still am uneasy about Bitcoin Cash myself personally. Uh, we've had some clients that have held it, uh, a few that have sold it to buy Bitcoin themselves. Uh, it just, it it strays away from the decentralization of what Bitcoin is supposed to be. When you have a couple of players that are, in essence, incentivizing miners to mine their product over another product, you've lost the transparency and decentralization of what cryptocurrency is all about. So, it's it's a series of things, and, and we also uh, we provide the education. We don't provide the investment advice because we aren't financial advisors. We're just a, it's a turnkey solution. Uh, but it, a, an educated buyer is the best buyer you can find. Going whimsically into something just because of the name of it is not safe, uh, and we try to make sure that we keep it uh, curtailed down to that limitation.
0: This might be more of a side question, but I think your comments about Bitcoin Cash are interesting. I have similar reservations. I'm actually waiting to see what happens um, with Coinbase.
1: Yeah, exactly. Will that be a, a, will there be a, just a giant dump or will people hold? And I would say to date, a lot of our buyers because we offered support, I think, what is it? Four or five months before Coinbase, which we'll, we'll pat ourselves on the back for that for sure, working with our partners at BitGo. Um, we've seen most people either it was, let it sit. I want to see what it does, kind of your mentality or others Word, I want to get rid of it as quickly as possible, and I want to buy more Bitcoin or I want to buy more Litecoin with it. Uh, and so it's it's been interesting. We haven't had any, to date, any buyers of Bitcoin Cash. Uh, it's either holders of what they received prior to the fork or those that have sold it off for uh, other assets. Some of the things that Bitcoin Cash is trying to bring to the table of larger trading blocks and some of the things, that, that they have good merits. They have great merits of what the intention was. It's just that this, this industry is so fledgling that a, a contentious fork like what took place where we all kind of felt at the end of August or the end of uh, July that everything was peachy. We had we'd implemented SegWit, Segregated Witness. There was, there was handling fee congestion. There was handling all the issues. But yet 10% of the miners, two particular p- people controlling those miners, said, you know what, I can't just take my ball and go home after losing. I've got a fork. And they still force the fork upon all of us users. Uh, that, that, I don't know if that has got a lot of uh, future to it. Uh, it should be interesting. And we have another conversation in November about 2x SegWit. Uh, and these are the kinds of things that, as, as if you're a novice investor, don't let them stray you away. There's a reason why these conversations are taking place, and it's because of popularity. We, we have a problem with scale, and we need to solve that problem with scale, and people have different opinions on how to solve that. But the real, the, the, at the core, of the problem is how can we handle more transactions more efficiently? If we wouldn't have that problem if Bitcoin wasn't as popular it is, as it is today. So remember that the, the motivation behind this is, is, is because we, we are growing, and we are growing in popularity. Uh, But how it gets resolved is it is a uh, a it's there is no central authority making those decisions. So we are going to see things like forks and Bitcoin cash ahead and uh, stick with what you know best is always been my uh, my go to.
0: So Chris, I would actually, I'd honestly love to revisit some of the points we've made in this podcast in a future podcast, if you'd be up for it. But I, I think on a closing note, I, I kind of want to give some, some touching points on how they can reach you guys. So if, if, what is the best way for an investor that's interested in learning more about a Bitcoin IRA to reach you guys and just get a feel for what you're offering?
1: I'd have to say our, our website's the best place to start. It's, it's a robust site that's got a lot of educational materials, pricing charts, a pre-qualification form for you to fill out. Um, there's, we don't have high-pressure salesmen that are going to call you and tell you that you need to do this. You're going to lose all your money. We'll call and educate you and tell you about our system and the flow that takes place. Um, and then if you want to just talk to us, you're not, you don't want to go visit the Internet, you can call us. Uh, our number is 877-936-7175. Uh, and there's uh, people Monday through Saturday on West Coast time, 7 a.m. to about 6 p.m. available for folks.
0: And do you have any advice for investors just starting to look into the digital currency space, like educational pointers that can help them understand the true potential behind this movement?
1: I would say that I've always said this to most people, including my grandfather and plenty of my friends and family, is that don't settle for a soundbite, but don't get lost down the rabbit hole. So it's kind of like looking at Jamie Dimon versus some of the web root crypto white papers that are out there. You really shouldn't take a fraudulent bankster to define your investment behaviors, but you also don't want to get lost in analysis paralysis. So find that balance of educating yourself without getting lost and not making a, a, an investment decision, but don't just go off the scratch-the-surface sound bites that the media pumps out of Jamie Dimon and others that are calling it a fraud, because it certainly has not grown to this point as a fraudulent basis and there's a lot more uh, i think things that have taken place since mr diamond's been the head of jp morgan i think over 76 billion dollars in fines have been paid uh so you may want to consider the source in that regard as well so just you know like i said don't settle for a soundbite but definitely don't get lost down the rabbit hole
0: Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'll Make sure to include a link to the Bitcoin IRA site so that if you want to just like click on over and check it out, um, all those resources will be there for you. Chris, it, once again, has been a pleasure.
1: Absolutely, Alexandra. And anytime you want to follow up or talk crypto, I'm here for you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure there'll be many questions to come. That is all we have for today. Um, make sure to check out the blog post that comes with this podcast that has all that supplementary information. And I will talk to you guys next week.